has exceedingly great and precious promises that you and I have received in Jesus Christ. And we are intended to live by those promises. You and I don't live by feelings. You, don't, you and I don't live by our own opinion. You and I do not live to just try to play a religious game. You and I live by faith in Jesus Christ and God's word given to us in him. Amen? And his intention is that we walk that out in every area of life so that Jesus is Lord in every sphere of life. He's not just Lord here on Sunday mornings in this place that is safe for us. We walk outside these walls and Jesus is Lord of our lives. Amen? And his intention is that we walk in that so that we proclaim him Lord in our home, in our community, in our own heart and mind, in our work environment, and in our culture. If he is Lord, then he is Lord. Amen? If we are his people, we are called to live that out. We are following the man Caleb in the Bible from the Old Testament that you saw our depiction of here today in the video. Caleb was sent in with 11 other men into the promised land that God had given his people with the intention that these 12 men would spy out the land to see that God's promises were true, to see what it was like there, to see what the enemy was like there and to come back with report to tell the nation what it was like in the land. 11 men came back saying, God is true. The land is a land full of milk and honey. It's a beautiful land. It's a powerfully prosperous land. But there are also giants there are also enemies. There's also problems. There's also fortified cities. There's also people more numerous than us, bigger than us. And they thought we could never go into this land. And their concluding statement was that we are small and they are big. We can't do this. Up against that, Caleb alone said, yes, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, this is a land flowing with giants. But yes, our God is true, our God is faithful, and we can go into the land and we can take back what God had intended for us. I want to show you the end of Numbers 13, what the other 11 conclude. Here's the verse that ends 13. It says, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The 11 concluded, they are big, too big, we are small, too small. We could never accomplish what God said we could accomplish. Caleb instead had a very different take on the situation because Caleb saw the exact same scenario, the exact same circumstances, and he said, listen everybody, God's word is true, God keeps his promises, and we are not grasshoppers. Amen? That's our message today. We are not grasshoppers. Sometimes this is the conclusion that people of faith have today. They look at all that is happening in them. They look at God's word and they say, wow, those are some exciting stories. Wow, those are amazing promises. Wow, that would be awesome if that were true. Wow, that's really cool. Maybe someday that'll happen. Wow, I don't think that could ever happen to me because my opposition is too great. The odds are too much against me, and I could never see that happen in my life. And what they conclude in that moment is, I 
am a grasshopper. I'm powerless. I can't do this. It's too big and God will not deliver me. Today we walk through Numbers 14 and we see what happens to those who believe the negative reports versus Caleb alone who will stand and believe and trust God with that singular message. We are not grasshoppers. Numbers 14 is where we are today in the Old Testament. I'll start there in verse one. I'm, I'm doing some condensing here of the chapter, just a little bit to get us in, this, in the full message today. So verse one, here's what it says. As a result of hearing this message, we are grasshoppers. They said, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. This is what happens when you don't have promises to lean on. You end up in just total meltdown. You can't face what's ahead because you can't see how you could ever be delivered. Verse three, it says, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Man, you can see the spiraling happen now. Why have we come here? Why did God do this to us? We're going to just end up dead. This is going to hurt our families. This is going to hurt our children. Why are we just victims here? This is the beginning of victim mentality. That all starts right here. When you go in with a mindset that God has somehow let you down and you are somehow justified and right, you will make yourself a victim every time. You will play the poor me, pity me game. You'll think everything else is wrong and you alone are right. And here they were standing on the edge of a promise. And instead of believing what God had said, they believed the problem was bigger than the promise of God. And they started spiraling in unbelief. It goes on in verse four and it says, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. God had already chosen a leader. God had already made a way for them to go into the promised land. And they said, you know what? This isn't working. This is not gonna work. Let's just go back. It would be better to go back to Egypt. Egypt was not just a place of prosperity. Egypt was where they were slaves. In essence, they were saying, you know what? All this stuff about faith and believing God and trusting him in the hard times, all that stuff is too much. It's too great. The odds are against us. It would be better for us just to choose our own leader and let's go backwards. It would be better to go back and live in slavery than to go forward and live in faith. I think, how in the world could you conclude that? But a lot of believers even do that today. They say, you know what? All this stuff about obeying God and trusting God and that he can free me, that he can move me forward, that he can provide for me, that he can heal, that he can restore, that he can redeem, he can restore the years that the locusts have taken, all that stuff is just too hard. I'd rather go back to my addictions and my slavery and lean on it for a while because at least I feel better in my old slavery addictions. Hello? Are we hitting close to home here this morning? This is where a lot of people live. They'd much rather go back to their old dependencies than to trust God and walk forward in obedience into some new land. That's exactly what's happened in this story. An entire nation says, I'd rather go back to where I was and our old dependencies, even though they were terrible, even though they were painful, even though all of that, at least I knew them. To walk forward in faith means letting go of the past, letting go of your own dependencies and walk forward into a new life. And this is where 
they thought they would rather go. This leads us to a pretty important point here today. It's this, that small faith in God's promises will lead to small ventures in your faith. If you want to see God do great things, then you're going to have to have great faith. If all you ever have is small faith, you'll never have the giant faith that says, God freed me from anxiety. God freed me from depression. God freed me from my addictions. God restored a broken relationship. God removed the guilt and the shame I carried. God set me on a path to move forward in my life. God gave me peace of mind. Small faith will lead to small ventures, and small ventures lead to a small story, and small story leads to a small life. They are ready to just go back and not have any more faith stories in their life. Let's go on in the story. It says that Caleb spoke up in this moment. That Caleb had had enough. Caleb had heard all of the lies and he had heard all their negative reports and Caleb said, I've got something different to say in verse 8. It says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. And let me clarify a statement here. I'm going to come back to it in a little bit. If the Lord delights in us, if the Lord delights in us, what is it that the Lord delights in? You tell me. What is it the Lord delights in? Obedience. Faith. Yes. In other words, if we'll have faith and we will obey, God will bring us into this land. He will give it to us. He will keep his promise. If we have faith and if we obey, we can't just sit here passively. We can't go backwards and somehow expect him to take us forward. If we have faith and if we obey, then the Lord will delight and move us forward and bring us into the land that he promised. Amen? Caleb's strong on this. Caleb's standing out against opposition. It's not just 12 guys standing around and Caleb says, you know, I'm going to speak out here. I know it's going to be risky. This is Caleb before the nation speaking. He got prime time airspace and he's not afraid to speak the promises of God. Here's what he said in verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't resist him nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Oh, we done flipped the tables now. We've gone from being grasshoppers to being greater than giants. They're just bread to us now. Verse nine, the second part says, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You think that's one of those moments where everybody would say, yes, yes, let's go, give me that mountain. You think that would be what happens next, right? Heads up, it's not. But what Caleb is demonstrating here is just the opposite of what they had demonstrated. What Caleb is saying here is a powerful truth for us to remember. That great faith in God's promises will lead to great ventures in your faith. When you choose to believe God against the odds, when you choose to believe God against your feelings, when you choose to believe God against your opinion, when you choose to believe God against the culture, you will begin an adventurous life of faith. Oh, it's not gonna be all roses and mochas along the way. It's gonna be some trouble along the way. There's gonna be some difficulty along the way. But man, the stories you will be able to tell, 
the glory that God will show in your life because you chose to believe God in the hard spots in your life. Amen? We continue on in the story. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. There's a powerful verse of encouragement for young pastors. Right? You step up with faith and you say, here's what I believe God has for us. And they all reach in their backpack and bring a stone out and want to chunk it at you. Hello? This is what's happening here for Caleb. He, and later we find that Joshua stands with him in this. They say, this is our moment. If we will believe God and not rebel, he will bring us into the land. And as a result, they all wanted to take his life. That's crazy. You think they might just shrug and say, eh, poor guy. But they are violently in reaction to him. This is what happens sometimes when you choose to stand up in faith. Those who don't believe don't like it. And they want to do something about it. Now, so much about this passage I love. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. Because then there's a conversation that breaks out between God himself and Moses. See, Moses is the leader of the nation. The whole chapter is a powerful story about how to lead people in the midst of disagreement. But here in verse 12, it says that the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? Verse 22 says, because all these have not heeded my voice, and I recognize I'm condensing some here. Verse 23, it says, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. It's sad. Some people who were given promises some people who had a history of seeing God work, who had been delivered out of Egypt, who had been slaves, now they're set free, who had walked with God a while in faith. We would call them all believers. Christians, we would say. But here at this moment, God speaks to a very specific promise that he has for them. And the vast majority will say, not doing it. I'm just not going there. I don't believe that. I don't think that can happen. That doesn't seem logical. That doesn't seem practical. That just doesn't feel right. I'm not doing that. And in a very intimate conversation between God and Moses, God says, it breaks my heart. But these who reject my promise they will not enter into the land that I swore to their fathers. They would not experience all that God had intended for them. There was so much more, but because they refused to believe, they would go on living the remainder of their lives in just bland living. Mundane, routine same old problems, same old things, probably doing their religious service along the way, but never having the powerful stories of faith and of obedience and sacrifice in God's glory 
being revealed. But this is not true for Caleb. Caleb's different. He chose to stand up and stand out. And so in verse 24, God says this about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and he has followed me fully. Before we go on, I want to just camp out here for a moment. Isn't this interesting that these are all believers? But God says, now my servant, Caleb, there's something different about him. There's something different about him than all the others. He has a a spirit in him that's different. He has a, a passion, a level of faith that sets him apart. It's different. It's not that he was a believer and the others weren't. They all followed Jehovah, God, but here is something different in Caleb. He has a different spirit and a different core about him. And God says, here's one of the things I notice about him is that he has followed me fully. Hmm. Caleb was not one of those guys who believed faith things when they were around faith environments. But when they got into other environments, kicked out the faith. Caleb was a guy who says, I believe these truths when I'm with other people who believe those truths. And I believe those truths when I'm around people who don't believe those truths. And I obey these truths when I'm with people who obey them. And I still obey them fully when I'm around people who don't obey them fully. He followed the Lord fully and God is attentive to that. God is drawn to that. God is interested in that. He's different. There's a different spirit about him. He follows me fully. He didn't talk a good game, but not play a good game. He talks it and he walks it. He lives it out. He believes it and obeys it. He follows me fully. And here's what God says about him. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Caleb would get to go into the land whereas everyone else would not. They would all not see the promised land, but Caleb would. Now we know from the story, we've kind of done our jump ahead a couple weeks back. It's going to take 45 years before Caleb does, but he will see God keep his promise. So let's talk for just a moment about this idea of what was different about Caleb. Because I would assume the fact that you're all here this morning means that you're not interested in the mundane, the routine, the same old, same old. The fact that you're here means you want something different for your life. You don't want just more plain vanilla faith even. You want to go somewhere different with the Lord. You want to be like Caleb. Amen? Or you wouldn't be here. Let's see what was different about him so that we can be like him.
a few things. Number one, he had the spirit of faith that confidently believes in promises over problems. Now, I think we well illustrated this last week. Caleb was a man who did not live by, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, you just, you just pray. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll just see. Well, maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come to pass. I don't know. I mean, knock on wood. Ha, ha, ha. Please don't knock on wood as an expression of your faith. Hello? It does not do you any good to knock on some wood to change the future destiny of your life. It's faith in Jesus Christ and God's promises that changes the future direction of your life. Amen? Don't just say, well, we'll see if the stars align. Look, God is the one who makes the stars, and he doesn't have to have them aligned to do what he wants to do. He can do what he wants to do in your life without the stars doing anything. Amen? You don't need to consult the latest astrology guide to find out what your best day is. We don't even lean on, well, we'll see. I mean, you know, if it, if it makes sense, maybe I'll do this. Sadly, this is how a lot of people live their lives, even their faith life. Well, I mean, we'll just see how it goes. We'll just pray and wait. I get it. Sometimes we do pray and we do wait, but what you and I have is not an if or a maybe faith. We have a solid, certain faith that began with the sure words of Jesus, it is finished. Those are certain words. We don't live with the, well, we'll see one day, maybe I'll get into heaven if I've done enough good works. That's not faith, my friends. That's works. And we're not saved by our works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is certain. We believe in a promise over the problem. And that's not meant for just salvation. It's meant for every part of life. I believe those promises over the problem. And this is what set Caleb apart from all the others. He chose to believe God's promise about the land in spite of the problems that were in the land. The second thing about a spirit of faith is that it prays bold against the problem based on the promise. This is a throwback here to our series, Pray Bold. Because if you have this spirit of faith in you like Caleb had, it changes how you pray even. Now stay with me in this. I don't want you to leave this point and be offended at what I'm about to say. Mm, that got everybody's attention. There are times when we pray and we don't know how it's going to play out. In fact, in reality, whenever we pray, we never know exactly how it's going to play out. Let's just be honest. Hello? Right? I get that sometimes we pray not understanding even how to pray sometimes. The Spirit, Romans says, helps us in those times. I understand that there are times when we all pray, I have done this, when we say, Lord, if it be your will. Hello, right? We all said those things. I understand that there might be a time for that. But I just want us to be very careful and consider this. 
That is not what Caleb said here. You don't find Caleb saying, Lord, if it be your will, could we pretty please go into the land? Lord, if it be your will, would you think it might be okay if somehow you would arrange it where possibly you would show us something that maybe could help us maybe get into the land someday, possibly? I'm sure God is like, I hear you, my blessed child, but bless your heart. I don't hear much faith in that. You sound a little bit like a grasshopper in that moment. Because I understand sometimes you don't know how to pray. But what God is drawn to are those who say, I know what the promise is, and God, I'm going to stand on that promise. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know what's going to happen next. I know my feelings are not quite there yet. I know the circumstances are far from being there yet. I know there's plenty of opposition. I know the odds are against me. But God, I'm believing your word regardless of any of that. And I'll stand on it. And I'm not going to say if the Lord wills. I'm going to say because the Lord wills, I am going to see your promise happen. Amen. That's what we're called to. That's what we're invited to. But that's a rub for most of us. Because what happens is we like to say, well, you know, I, I mean, I just, if I say, if the Lord wills, it kind of gives God an out on the deal, you know, just in case it doesn't happen, it gives him an out. And it gives me an out as well. You know, like if, well, if I say, if the Lord wills, then maybe it goes the other way. Then it's like, yeah, see, that was the Lord's will. You see what I'm talking about? Instead of standing in bold faith and proclaiming a truth and believing it, it's almost like we're saying, well, I'm not certain if it's going to happen because opposition is big. I'm not certain it's going to happen because the odds are great. I'm not certain it's going to happen, so let's just go back to Egypt. It just gets uncomfortable, right? Because this calling is to a little bit higher level of faith. You say, well, I don't know if I know all the promises that God has for me. <sighs> now nah, we're getting somewhere. I agree. You can't stand on a promise you don't know anything about, but this is what you and I are called to. And a spirit of faith prays bold against the problem and based on the promise. Number three, the spirit of faith is unashamed to speak God's promises out loud. As I mentioned, here's Caleb in this moment, and he's got basically a national news conference press, press corps going on here. The entire congregation, it says, is listening to him. And he says, God will bring us into the land. God is faithful. We can believe his promises. We can trust him. Amen? And he's not afraid. They're, they're going to pick up a stone afterwards and try to stone him, and he knows it. He knows the opposition is great. He knows the resistance is strong, but he's unafraid to speak it. He's unafraid to speak it out loud. He didn't just mutter it under his breath and say, God's going to bring us into the land. I just know it is. I'm not going to say anything, but I just know it is. Yeah, That kind of deal, right? He doesn't just text to a friend and say, these people are crazy. No, he is unashamed, and he says it out loud. There's power in speaking God's promises out loud. You want to make a difference in your family? Speak the promises out loud in your home. You want to make a difference for your children? Speak the promises of God out loud in your home. You want to make a difference for your spouse? Speak the promises of God out loud in your home. Don't just mutter them under your breath and don't just whisper in a prayer in silence when you go to bed at night. Speak the promises of God out loud. This is where God is drawn to faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number four. The spirit of faith fully obeys as though the promise has come to pass. 
What's interesting is when God talks to Moses here about Caleb, he says, this is my servant Caleb. He has a different spirit for he has fully followed me. He's fully obeyed. Caleb didn't say, you know, if we get over there and find out this is all true, then I'll follow the Lord. He didn't say, you know, if we get in there and then it looks like it's all kind of starting to lean in our direction, if the odds are starting to change, then I'll fully obey the truth. He didn't say, well, you know, if I start seeing the opposition numbers go down a little bit, then I'll start following and obeying God fully. No, he didn't say that. He didn't wait for that. He said, I will obey God fully because he gave the promise. Now I'll obey him because he gave the promise. I'll choose to walk in his ways. I'm not waiting I'm not calculating. I'm not using my opinion or my feelings or the, what I can logically understand. I'm going to obey him fully now. So I want to give you some examples of what that looks like for us all personally. Because this is where the rubber meets the road right here. Let's talk about this in all of our lives individually. I recognize the fact that none of us would say we are at the place that we ultimately want to be in our life. Amen? None of us would say we have fully arrived at full maturity in faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? But here's what I do. I believe God's promise now and not wait for what I can see. So, if or when I stand on the promise that I have been saved and am now made part of the hand of Jesus and nothing can snatch me out of that hand, I live based on that promise. I don't live trying to get to that promise. I live based on that promise. This is me putting my full obedience in ahead of seeing it come to pass. Is anybody in here already in heaven? No, we're all still here. But we're still living under the promise that when we close our eyes here, we'll open our eyes there in Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm living on the promise and the certainty of that now. I'm fully obeying now because of the promise. I'm fully obeying because I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I walk in that promise. I live in full obedience now because I know he is working all things together for good, for me. I walk in the promise of that and I fully obey now. I don't put full obedience out there on the calendar somewhere. Well, maybe next year, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll fully go all in. Maybe then, maybe then, maybe then. No, Caleb had a different spirit because he fully obeyed the Lord. How about in my marriage? Your marriage may not be where you want it to be. Your marriage may not be where God ultimately wants it to be. I don't have to say maybe there. I think we can all say that with certainty. Amen. There's still things God is doing in our life. But I don't wait until perfection to start believing a promise and living out in full obedience. I love my wife because God calls me to that and has given me the promise that a husband shall love his wife as Christ loves the church. And I walk in obedience to that. That is the promise that my marriage can look like the gospel. Do you hear me? You understand? I don't wait until it gets to a place before I obey. I don't wait until it gets to better days before I do what God calls me to do. Everybody with me here this morning? 
I obey as though the promise has already come to pass. I obey and love my wife as though we are already looking like Jesus and the church loving one another. That's a promise. I don't wait for her to be perfect. Heather's pretty close to that already, right? But she doesn't have to wait for me to be perfect either because we love one another based on the promise, not on the situation. Do you hear me? I fully obey already. Even when it comes to my finances, I don't wait until I've got everything perfectly in order before I start obeying God with my finances. I bring to him the first fruits of all my increase and honor him with all my possessions and he says he will bless. I obey and keep the promise as though it has already come to pass. This is what Caleb did. How about with my own thoughts and emotions? You say, well, I still have raging thoughts. I still have times of depression. I still have times of anxiety. Look, I get all that. I understand all that. I can walk in all of that. I have walked in all of that, but I claim a promise as though it's already come to pass. Here's what it is. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I walk in the promise as though it's already come to pass, even before it has. I can't tell you how many times I have quoted and said that verse to myself, meditated on that verse while I was going through some anxiety. Do you hear me? This is what you do. You speak and believe promises in the midst of the problem as though it has already come to pass. And this is how you get into the land of the promise. This is how you bring peace into your life. You don't wait until your circumstances are peaceful. You remember truths, truths from God's word that say he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And you obey that promise regardless of the circumstances. Even for us as a church in this day and time, I'm not standing on what the culture thinks of us. I'm not standing on feelings we have. We're standing on promises. And we obey based on the promises as though they've already come to pass. We stand on the promise that we've been called to go into all nations and proclaim the gospel and that he will never leave us or forsake us. We, we obey that promise even though we haven't seen the reality of it yet. We obey it as though it had already happened. We don't hide our light under a bushel, as Jesus talked about. No, we uncover it for all to see. We live by bold faith, declaring his promises. This is what we do. As though the promises already come to pass. This is exactly what Caleb did. Before they had ever gone into the land before they'd ever picked up their first weapon against a giant, before they'd ever walked in as a nation, Caleb said, God has given us the land. Let us go in and take it because he will keep his word. Do you understand? He said, let's go take it because God has given the promise. When we as a people in this day wake up to this and get this and start living in not the ifs, not the maybes, not the could be's, not the will sees, but the God has commanded it and therefore it will come to pass. 
You start believing that about your marriage, your home, your own mind, your children, our influence, our place, your finances. You start believing those promises about what God has said. He will bring it to pass. And we'll be rejoicing in the midst of it. We'll start telling the stories right here in this place. Because God loves that kind of faith. It drew him to Caleb. And I'm praying it draws him to your heart and my heart. So we might have the kind of faith that says, God, you loved us. And you still love us. You've shown us that in Jesus You've shown us that by your spirit within us. You've shown us through history. You've shown us through your word. And we trust you in all of that. We believe you for all of that. And we'll walk in full obedience now because of it. God is drawn to that kind of faith. And I pray it's true for each one of us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, you have given us exceedingly great and precious promises. We are far from anything but grasshoppers. You have made us your own children. You've called us your temple. You've made us your body. You've called us the church. You've called us the called out ones. You've made us a new generation. You've made us those who are alive from the dead. You've called us as those who are blameless and declared righteous in your sight. I pray we would walk in the promise of that, in the faith of that, and not in our feelings, not in our circumstances, not in what the opposition says, not in what we see, but in what you have said. May we claim those promises, hold to them, and say with the same kind of faith that Caleb had, give me that mountain, God. May those come to pass. May we be those that you are drawn to because of the faith that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.